What is the biggest problem affecting your PDR business? What is the one thing holding you back from taking the next step? What do you need to change to get the business growth you want? All these questions have the same answer. It's your mindset. My name is Corey Kleinfeld, and this is the PDR Coach Podcast, where I coach you on mindset around yourself and your PDR business. Now let's get started. Okay, real quick before we get started, you guys have probably heard that intro a bunch of times over the last year or so that I've put out podcasts. Um, that me asking those questions and saying the answer to them is mindset. And now I have a couple options to help you with that. Um, I'm mostly focusing on the newer techs now to help bring them up into the industry and help them get further faster. First option I have is the PDR Launchpad, and that's for techs uh, between zero and two years in business. Uh, it's an eight-week program to help you launch your business into success. The second option that I have is the Young Guns PDR 20 group. That's for techs up to five years in business, zero to five years in business. I'm partnered up with Gene Fetty on that, and that is a mastermind group that runs for a year to help you get your business further faster. So uh, if you want to know when these signups are open for that, then go to my website at coachcoreyk.com and enter in your email address. You'll be in my email list, and when I open when I open enrollment for either of those programs, you will know. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome back to the PDR Coach Podcast. Today on the podcast, we have another Corey, Corey Nichols. Uh, he worked in a body shop for over 10 years and has just recently started his PDR business less than a year ago. Today, we talk about how he made that transition and how you can too. Welcome to the show, Corey. Hey, how's it going, Corey? I am doing great, man. Um, I'm excited to have you on. Um, I've come to realize over the past several months that there are a lot of guys, maybe gals, working in body shops that want to be PDR technicians. And you actually did it, <laughs> along with several other people that I know that are in some groups that we're involved with. But today I wanted to have you on, talk about your business a little bit, talk about um, how you started your business and how you transitioned out of the body shop. So as I start every podcast, because I'm curious and it's fun for me. How did you find this weird little niche of PDR that we're all making lives out of? So that's kind of like a two-part answer for me. Um, uh, in the beginning, you know, we had a PDR guy at the first shop I worked at. It was always coming in, pushing a couple dents, making a bunch of money, leaving early. It's like, wow, how does he do that? You know, back then, uh, it was just amazing magic. And at that when you, time... When you say, oh, I got to interrupt you. When you say back then... When was that? Like, when did you see this I would guy? say probably 2010. That would be the first time I really even knew what PDR was. Oh, so you knew about it. So 10 years you saw you saw PDR, PDR guys coming in and out of the body shop. Okay. Correct. Continue. Yes. One guy specifically, yeah. um, he kind of was, you know, it, even in the town I'm in, that's where, you know, I was working. So mm -hmm. the same guy's still running around. So he is competition. But yeah. watching him was just amazing. It's like, you don't understand. Um you know, so I wasn't ready back then to really even make a transition into PDR because I was focused on other things. I went to Wyotech, uh, which is a car college. Auto body is what I kind of focused in. And that's what I wanted. You know, I wanted to be able to fix the dents, replace the quarter panels, uh, do roof skins. That was fun to me back then. Well, turns out after so many years, that does get old. So the next step was figuring out where do I go with the same industry, 
but kind of a different area of the industry. And being that I loved fixing the dents, PDR made the most sense to me. Um, so I invested, you know, into tools, into training. Um, and when I say training, I'm actually self-taught and internet taught. So dent trainer, um, real world PDR and YouTube, and just a lot of blood, sweat and tears between, you know, nights of coming home to my shop and pushing in my garage and my wife saying, Hey, dinner's ready. When are you coming in? You know, it's, I've got to learn this. This is what's next. So that's the beauty, kind of honestly, of, I, I don't know if I can say our generation. You, I think you're 30, right? Is that correct? Right? Okay. I'm 35. I just turned 35. So our generation grew up on this notion that you can learn things on the internet. <laughs> you don't have mm-hmm. to necessarily like go to college. I've certain things you do. Like, I can't be a lawyer, doctor, et cetera, but like I needed to chop these trees down in my front yard. I could have hired somebody or I could rent a chainsaw and go on YouTube, which is what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and same thing with PDR. So completely online taught, which is fascinating and taught from, you know, you, you didn't like go all free. You spent, you know, what, like a hundred bucks a month dent training. Yeah. Whatever the subscription yeah. did cost like pretty dang inexpensive and something that if you're working in a body shop, you can afford that period. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, you're making good enough money that you could risk a little bit to learn this stuff. So, um, that was my question, how you train. So you, can you talk about that a little bit? So I guess go back to when you decided like, okay, I'm actually going to give this PDR thing a shot and where you, and then what'd you do? Did you start like Googling to try to figure out how to learn? And, and then when you figure that out, you just said, okay, I'm going to get a scrap hood and push on it. How, how'd that process go? Yeah. So it was actually, it was, it was a cycle. It was yeah. uh, two or three different attempts. So mm. 2000, I believe it was 2017. We had a hailstorm come through and my wife's car got hit. And I said, you know, instead of going to these PDR guys, I really think that I can figure this out, which was absolute bull because <laughs> it looks easy. <laughs> body techs, body techs don't have the patience to begin with. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all about making money. We're fast paced, get the job done, send it to paint, get it back, build it. Yeah. You know, so instead of, you know, going to the PDR guy, I got an insurance uh, check and decided to purchase my first set of tools. So I actually went to the PDR competition of mine and I said, Hey man, I'm going to get into this. And he had kind of known me just from being in the body shop, not well, but knew of me. So he said, all right, man, just, uh, you know, get on these sites and order these couple tools. I'll give you a list. And I ordered from there, got the tools in, had so much ambition. It was like, all right, we are ready. This is going down. And of course, that's not at all how it went. You can't just grab a tool and think you know what you're doing. So poke marks, uh, missing the dent. It's just all there, you know. So put the tools down and just really thought, you know, I just wasted $1,800 on tools and my wife's car is still going to have nail damage. Yeah, I would say for a solid six months, I did. You know, for for two months, I was bringing panels home and I was like, oh, yeah, building my own hood stands. And yeah, it just didn't work. But, you know, I moved shops and there was an in-house PDR tech. And I said, you know what? I'm going to learn from him whether he wants me to learn or not. I'll look over his shoulder when he's not looking. But he was he was pretty nice. You know, he was like, yeah, man, feel free to watch anytime. And, you know, that's when my ambitions you know, I said, you know, 
I can only learn so much from watching this guy. Let me get on YouTube. So I started, said, okay, dent trainer, let's, uh, let's give this a shot, you know, mm. and started getting on the uh, Facebook pages and just started joining. And I realized that in the body shop industry, it's, it's kind of cutthroat. And uh, I noticed online that it wasn't so much cutthroat. It was more uh, everybody's a team or like a family. Like it just seems like everybody gets along a lot better. And, and seeing that made me realize that that's that transition I wanted to make. So that's what I did. And I thought, you know, the first guy who started doing PDR, he didn't have a coach or he didn't have a trainer. So he figured it out. So surely I can. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And after three years of just, pushing and figuring it out and and doing some PDR dents in the body shop and they're passing and customers are coming and saying, Oh, you didn't have to paint this. You know, that gave me a lot of, you know, confidence realizing that if, if we can sell these jobs at the body shop, then surely I can do it on my own. Okay. So what, um, what kept you going like through that, I've known a lot of body guys. I've been doing this for almost 20 years, but been doing body shops the whole time. I can see those. I can see you, the body guy at almost every body shop I go to ask me questions, stands behind me, watches me do the dent, feels it afterwards, et cetera. Just, I mean, literally a hundred of them over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, they all have dent tools. They all bought a, they all bought a little set, whether it was eBay or they spent 1800 bucks, they all got something. And they've all tried it, but they didn't keep going. So like what, what part, what was the part that kept you going? Was it the dent trainer? Was it joining the forums? Was it, was it just the challenge of it? What was the part that, that when you hung up the tools after hacking up your wife's car, if I can say that, what made it so you just kept going? Because guys that are listening to this, that are in, that have tried, bought the tools, tried to fix their own car, their wife's car, but they stopped like what is the motivation what can help them keep moving forward to get in the industry man to be honest with you i think it's all about your personality and my personality was to be able to do anything so um i don't want someone to tell me i can't do something Mm -hmm. and you know your qc or your manager is like well that's stupid just mud it and be done send it to paint well there's a better way Mm -hmm. you don't have to mud these panels you you can figure it out and you know just for me to keep testing the limits really allowed me to enjoy the craft. Um, Obviously I want money. I'm in it for, you know, both the craft and the money, but I feel like I'm in it for more of the craft and the money will follow. So uh, just having people tell me I can't do it is what really drove me to be able to become who I am now and leaving the body shop and starting my own business, I feel like really helped me develop myself. Yes. Um, I have more free time, which is a good and a bad thing, but also I just feel like I'm becoming a different person and no one can tell me no anymore. Like in my head, I'm saying I can do this. I've done this. I I quit one career and, and started another from scratch. I know I can do this, you know, whatever the, the question may be. Yeah, that's that's being a free man, in my opinion. That's that, that's my favorite part about about it is the freedom of it. Um, okay, so I got we're going to talk about how you transition into that. Uh, how do you, as a body guy, get 
PDR work at a body shop. So you come, it comes in, it's a, it's a ding in a door and they're like, you know, mud it, paint it and blend whatever. And you're like, I think I can do this PDR. What, how do you have that conversation? So you can practice, like, I imagine that you'd be able to practice on it. And if you fail on it, then we'll mud and paint it. But like, let me try it. Um, how do you have that conversation? Who do you talk to? How do other body guys like be able to practice like that? I never even mentioned PDR to anyone in management at that shop until I repaired something. And I said, Hey man, you know, we had six hours on this and I've PDR'd this. Do you want to come look at it? And he'd look at it and say, yeah, you know, that looks really good, but paint still needs hours. So they would, they would scuff the panel and clear it to get paid. They wouldn't even put base on it. And eventually we got to the point where different management was like, okay, so let's start doing these door dings PDR. And, you know, I'll get two or three door dings a week. And that would be another piece of paycheck, which was nice. But then it got to the point where it was like, we were slowing down a little bit in the body side. Mm -hmm. So everything started going back to, yeah, that looks great, but we're going to scuff it and clear it. And that's kind of what drove me out is because you're taking this craft and you're minimizing the skill and you're still throwing it to paint, which, you know, you're only clearing, so you're not going to have color issues, but still you're taking something that I've worked so hard for Mm -hmm. and just throwing it away. So Mm -hmm. once I felt like I was good enough, is when I actually started telling management. I wasn't just going to go in there and say, yeah, I think I can PDR this because they're in their head like, oh, we can tell the customer now. But until I knew I was ready, I kept that to myself. Gotcha. And so you're in a, you're in a body shop. There may be guys in somewhere along this line that you had have attempted PDR but gave it up have attempted PDR and are still doing it and are decent and are maybe pushing some stuff or pushing to paint some stuff even or something. And then you get to this point where you're actually fixing dents, not everything, not crazy smash up stuff. I get it. It's a process, right? But you're fixing some stuff. You're like door dings. Like maybe it's not perfect, perfect, but like that'll, that's better than painting it. <laughs> like you can tell it's like a little wave, but like throw it, if you went to body, it'd be worse. Right. So you're at that point. You're like, I can fix some stuff. Um, what do you do then? Like at that point, you're like, shoot, am I actually going to like quit my job or like where's that leap? Cause I feel like there's some guys, a lot of guys that are there, they're like decent at it. They go home and try it. I actually have a body guy in one of my, in my body shops who I took on a ride along with me. He went to training, spent the money, has all the tools, but it's just like, how do I make a real, like a real business out of this thing? So talk about that, like up to that point, then what do you do? So that was literally the scariest part of probably my whole life. And I'm married. So getting married was scary, but this, this, uh, it's, it's a struggle because you don't know if you're going to make it. So where I started with that was figuring out how to open that LLC, how to get the insurance, you know, because if I tear someone's car up, you know, I don't want to pay for that out of pocket. My insurance is going to cover that. So uh, creating your logos and your branding and, and all that, that was all, I was doing that when I was still working for the body shop mm-hmm. and I started doing stuff after hours or on the side or on the weekends and getting and I, paid for it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. You know, most jobs, other jobs, you know, some of them I'd be like, man, I really don't think I can get that perfect, but give me a shot. 
and I won't charge you, yeah. you know, if it doesn't turn out well. Yeah, that's education so, cost. Yeah. Yeah. So that actually, uh, that helped me a lot, but you know, all that was in the background while I was still working for the shop and I set a goal in my head and it was a six month goal. I wanted to make it through winter so I could save up every single dime that I made through the body shop. So when I quit, if I didn't get a job for two months, then I had a cushion that I could, you know, okay, now I can pay my mortgage. Now I can do this and that. Mm -hmm. So I was doing complete mobile service. As soon as I left my body shop job, I loaded up all my tools in my truck and I would drive, you know, wherever it may be, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. I was fixing a dent. And if I made 200 bucks, I was like, heck yeah, I did it. I can do this, you know? Mm -hmm. And at that point we actually decided we had been in our house nine years and we had been wanting to move. And it was super scary because I'm quitting my job, but I wanted to shop. I didn't want to keep doing mobile because 106 degrees in the summertime, that gets hot, you know? So we decided to sell our house and, you know, the market was booming. We made a good percentage and we bought a new house with a shop. And once I finished my shop, my six months was over and I quit my job. Gotcha. So I would say like, as you know, someone who helps people do this as a coach that guides people through this stuff. One of the biggest things that you need to do is just take steps in that direction. And so you get to that point and you get kind of stuck. You're like, I can fix some stuff, but my body, my manager won't let me or, or, or they don't want me to do that. They're always constantly painting the stuff. So now you gotta do is you gotta take steps. So you gotta, like you said, open, maybe figure out how to open up an LLC, get the insurances, make a logo, fix dents on nights and weekends. This is not an e this is not an easy thing. Having a full-time job and then trying to create a business on the side is an, ex- an extraordinary feat. You're taking on learning something that's, ex- I mean, one of the, the most difficult thing I've ever learned, and everybody seems to agree with that, glassing dents without repainting is probably the, one of the most difficult things there is. Becoming an entrepreneur and starting a business, another extremely difficult thing to do. And you're combining the two of them and trying to make it happen. So always take those steps forward. Get the boat as close to the dock as you can. So don't just quit your job and go start making it happen with nothing, right? Um, take steps forward. And what I would say is, train yourself, at least know that you can charge somebody for a dent repair, like be able to at least do that and make the connection in your brain that like, I'm good enough to push this metal around and have someone pay me hundreds of dollars to do so. I think that's like almost a necessary requirement before actually leaving. Cause I've had so many people that I've talked to that are pushing dents, pushing dents, pushing dents, and they're not getting, they're, they're always doing for free. They always do them for free. And I'm like, you got to make that connection in your head that you are worthy of getting paid for this. So how did you like, how did you get to that point where you're like, I'm going to charge people? Did you just decide to do it? You're like that kind of person or, or what, what made like the first, do you remember the first dent that you got paid for and how scary that was? You know, the first dent I got paid for was in the body shop, but the one out of the body shop. Yeah. um, Like your business. Yes. So yeah, it was, uh, I think it's head trash, man. Like Mm -hmm. working in the back of the shop, you don't have that customer interaction. Mm -hmm. So yes, you can do the repairs. You know how to do the repairs. You feel confident. 
and you feel like because you know how to do it, it's so easy and anyone could do it. Well, mm-hmm. that's not the case. No. You know, I, like you said, cutting down a tree, not everybody knows how to cut down a tree and you look at it like it's just a tree. What's so hard about that? Mm-hmm. There are people who feel that way. Like it's a dent. You can fix the dent. The customer can't. So you're providing them not only a service, but your time. So what is your time worth? You know, and I wasn't using the uh, matrix of any kind at that time. It was like, yeah, I could get a hundred bucks for that dent, you know? So how we all start, man. (laughs) Yeah. And then you go out there, this dent in particular, it was an El Camino and I, it it was a race car, El Camino. And this thing was wavy as could be, but he had one door ding. He didn't know what the waves were. He didn't see waves. Mm-hmm. I did. I was a body man. <laughs> so I go out there. I'm like, yeah, I can fix this. So I roll the window down and I get access and I'm in there with a flat bar and I'm working this thing and working this thing. And I'm like, still not happy. I'm moving my light back, still seeing all this. The whole car's full of waves though. You look back and you see everything in the repair you're doing because your eyes are on it so when i'm finishing up this repair i'm like man i could still keep going i could still keep pushing this he comes out oh my god it's awesome you fixed it that's perfect yes sir i did did yeah and that made me feel like i was ready to start charging people i was ready to take that on and my service was worth something Mm -hmm. if he'd have come out and said oh my god what did you do (laughs) Uh, no, I would not have been ready, yeah. but to get that confidence from a customer, it lets you realize that you're worth something more than just a technician in the back of the shop. You know, you're ready to charge people. You're ready to start learning more. You've learned the dent repair. Now learn the business. Now learn how to charge for it. Now learn how to make a living off of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, this was an issue that I came up came across a lot of people. And so I tried to define, simply define what a PDR business is. And I did this like in my third podcast that I ever did like over, I don't even know, April of 2020, I think something like that. Um, What a a legitimate PDR business is someone who sets an expectation for a customer and then delivers on that expectation. That's literally it. It doesn't have to be that you can fix crazy smash dents. It doesn't have to be that you glass it perfect so that no other dent guy in the world can see it or a body man can't feel it or anything like that. What a legit PDR business is setting an expectation and delivering on it. So if you set the expectation of perfection and you can only get stuff to 80%, not a legit business. Um, If you set the expectation at 80% and charge accordingly and the customer's happy with that, a little wave, like in the El Camino, you left a wave. He was happy with that. That's what he wanted at that price. And you delivered on it, legit business. Granted, keep in mind that we should always be striving to get better, fix bigger stuff, make cleaner repairs, not drill holes, etc. But when you start a legitimate business is setting an expectation and delivering on that expectation. Would you agree with that? Yeah. So I actually still have a problem with that. Um, not saying that you're wrong. Yeah. I have a problem personally. That means sometimes I talk higher than what I can deliver. Mm-hmm. And I've learned to quit doing that. When a customer comes in with a dent and they're like, yeah, we want to get this dent removed. No problem. I got you. I can fix that. Well, sometimes you can only get it to 80% or 90%. And you've told this customer you can fix it. Yeah. Now I've learned how to tell customers 
and let them decide if yeah. they want to take that action. That's actually funny because that is almost the exact response that I always get from everybody. So I have this great idea. I'm like, set expectation, deliver on it. That's a PDR business. And then everybody says that thing too. And so my next thing that I say is everything that you say before you start a repair makes you look like an expert. And then everything you say after is an excuse. I don't care if you knew it or anything, but if you, if you're going to leave a wave, if it's not going to be perfect, if this one spots behind a brace or the glue's too tough, or you have to drill a hole or any of those things, if you can say that before the repair and granted, this is hard when you're a brand, brand new, but if you say it before the repair, these people look at you like, wow, this guy knows exactly what he's going to do. Even if it's not perfect, he knows exactly what he's going to do. And you know what? I respect that. I like it. Let's do it. Anything you say afterwards, oh, I did, you know, oh, there's a little wave here. Like, oh, I had to drill a hole. Oh, there's this one spot I couldn't get. All that stuff is excuses. So as much as you can do of giving them knowledge, even if you're not 100% sure if that's maybe the case, but giving them knowledge, preparing them for what the possibilities are. Like, hey, here's what might happen in my experience. You look like an expert. And then hopefully after the repair, you can be like, see, delivered exactly what I told you. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I try to, um, in, in a sense, I try to under-promise and over-deliver. So sure. you're exactly right there. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the beginning, and when I say beginning, I'm still new, but mm-hmm. in the very beginning, I was almost taking on anything because I wanted money. Sure. So learning how to say no and learning how to explain to customers what you just said was one of the hardest things for me to learn because I needed that income because I went from a very high number to a very unknown number. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So that was tough, but you're exactly spot on right there. Went from a high number to unknown number. That is so true. That that right there is the scariest part for a body man to leave and go start PDR. Am I wrong? Yeah, because, you know, when, when you have a, I was, I was commissioned, but I was a hundred plus hour technician. So Mm -hmm. I was guaranteed a certain amount every week just because I had it banked the previous week. Yeah. So I was work four days a week and pull a hundred plus hours, no issue. And when you leave that business that you know you're getting paid, you still have to pay taxes at the end of the year on the money you make. You still have to have money coming in. You still have to figure out how to make it money. So mm-hmm. um, it's it's very, very tough. That was the one of the biggest things that kept me in the body shop so long. Until I wrote down my goals, I wasn't achieving them. Mm-hmm. Because in your head, you have these goals, but you never put a check mark next to them. So you write these things down on paper, just like when I started the business, you have to create the LLC, you have to get your insurance, you have to create your logos. As I started checking these boxes, everything became real. And when things become real, you understand them. You, you realize that you can go further. You're, you're only on this earth one time. So why not create what you want. Don't get stuck in the pattern of, Oh, I got a paycheck this week. I'm going to work. Got to stop at the gas station, get a monster energy. Like world's bigger than that. And until you realize that you're just going to be stuck in your bubble. Amen to that brother. 
that's the truth. And I think that's, that's, that is like the, you know, it, it can be a cliche or a meme or whatever, but the comfort zone thing is a real thing. It's easy to get up and go get a, a, a monster and go get a coffee and head to the body shop and grind for nine hours and then do the same thing every single day, even though you don't like it, even though you're sick of breathing in paint fumes, even though you're sick of, of you know, bondoing stuff when you know it doesn't have to be the way, even though your brain and your body just still do the thing because it's easy. And breaking out of the easy, getting outside that comfort zone, doing something different is the hardest things that we do as humans, because we're not built to do that. We're efficiency machines. We just take the path of least resistance until we tell ourselves that we don't want to. That's why, that's why everybody knows how to lose weight and get six pack abs. Like everybody knows how to do that. (laughs) Like, it's not a secret, like eat less calories, don't drink a lot of sugary stuff, work out, do some crunches, things like that. But we don't, we all don't do it though. Right. We all know how we all don't do it. And so how do you take what you know how and apply it? And so for you, you say writing down goals, um, being told no gives you, gives you the encouragement to go do it. And it's a little bit different for everybody, but I would say, find that thing, find the things that give, that gives you the motivation and then seek those out so that you can change your life, change your business, do these things that you didn't think were originally possible. So that's awesome. I love that. Um, back to the practicality. What? So you said LLC, logo, insurance. What else did you do to start your business before you actually jumped ship at the body shop? Or was that it? So no, I mean, I made sure, like I said, I made a decision and I've set myself a six month goal. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I didn't really ever in the past, I never set a goal and really achieved besides like, okay, I'm going to do a half marathon. I did my half marathon, but like, I never really did a real like hard life goal. And this was a test for me to see if it was possible. So I made sure I had all the tools I needed. So within this six month time, if I st- Oh, I need this tool to really help me because I don't have this. And if I don't have it, I'm not going to be able to do this kind of dent. Mm-hmm. You've got income Buy that tool. You're going to go out to eat anyway. Don't go out to eat Buy the tool, you know, get more training. Like, okay, I'm on dent trainer. I've gone through all these videos. I've watched them five times. I know everything this guy can teach me at this point in my career. You can go back three years later and learn stuff that you've already seen, but go to the next one. Another guy might have a little bit different um, way of doing things or just a way of explaining it. And you take his input, look on YouTube. There's plenty of guys get on the forums. These forums are full of people with knowledge. They made it happen. That means you can make it happen. You know, get all these things in line, purchase your tools, get your finances set up. I started going mobile. So I bought, you know, a pack out box and I made it where my tools would fit in my truck. I made sure I had an extra battery for my light. I made sure I had a heat gun, blah, blah, blah. You know, uh, an umbrella. That was very important. That's something you don't think about. Yep. Get everything that you need. And then when you have it, use it, practice with it. Just keep going. And eventually your six months is up. And it's time to put up or shut up. Yeah, you know? say now here comes the here comes the decision. Um, I don't think I've ever asked this question. I've talked to a lot of body guys becoming PDR guys. I don't think I've ever asked this question. 
at all, but uh, the so the social pressure inside of a body shop is is real for sure. Um, I never experienced that because I was always kind of outside of it. But when I when I see the lifestyle of body guys, <laughs> my son is literally yelling, screaming. What a good time. Can you hear that? Um, <laughs> the social pressure is real. When I see it, it's you know they're always constantly eating fast food, bad food. There's always donuts. They're always smoking cigarettes. Not always. I don't say always. I'm generalizing, but it's, You're about it's a fair startup. generalization. Monster energy drinks. Um, if someone brought a salad to work, they would be sh- made fun of con- daily. Um, if, if on their lunch break, they decided to go for a run instead of to go to Taco Bell, they would be made fun of all that. How, and you mentioned it, like, stop, stop waking up, going to get the rock star, going to this. You ran a half marathon, which is, I feel bad saying it, but probably rare for a body guy. Maybe that's, I think that's fair to say. I don't want to exclude anybody, but I know a lot of body guys. How did you want to like, you know, change your life, push forward, not go out after work, not party on Friday nights, but push on hoods instead, run a half marathon, probably eat a little better, probably all these types of things that are like the end go against the social pressure of a body shop. How do you deal with that? So this sounds really bad for me to say, but in all the shops I was at, maybe not in the beginning, but towards the end, I felt like I was the best technician. And when you're the best, then you have no reason to be better. So it's true. You know, and I know it sounds like I'm trying to talk highly of myself, but like, I really felt like if there wasn't someone I was looking up to, then what's going to keep me moving forward. So in all honesty, the first thing I did was got a haircut and started wearing my hair nice to work every day. And every single one of these body guys were like, what the hell are you doing? Fascinating. Why do you look Just like that? That little of a change, huh? That little you of a change. got shit. Wow. That I was, I did my hair. People were like, who are you? What are you trying? Who are you trying to impress? I was trying to impress myself. And you said it just right. I wasn't eating salads, but I was taking a run during lunch, (laughs) probably three to five days a week. Like I was just, I felt like there was a better way. And when you're stuck in a bubble, if you don't find your way out, you're just going to keep digging further and further and further. And that haircut in all honesty was my first step. It's as odd as it sounds. It's but. not odd though, because that's a, I'm telling you, it's a legitimate, real thing. The amount of people that made, make fun of, I, I, eat, I eat a lot of salad, to be honest with you. I put chicken and a bunch of other shit on it and things like that. And I eat salad a lot and I eat them at body shops because I bring it to lunch mm-hmm. and people talk shit and I'm like, okay, whatever. Look at, look <laughs> again, it's egotistic gold. You can call it whatever you want. I'm like, look at my life compared to yours. I don't know how else to say it. And you could say that with a haircut too. Like one take a step forward, make a little bit of change the entire time, the entire way people that you love, people that, you know, people that are close to you will try to hold you down. It is the natural course of the way things go. They are scared. You're going to fail. They don't think it's possible for you because they don't think it's possible for them. And they start seeing these changes and they're like, hold on, Corey, Corey needs to stay here. Corey can't be someone else. Corey can't move on to bigger and better things. Corey's got to stay here. This is our thing. We're working here till we're 60 and we're going to, you know, put 
bondo up panels all day. That's, that's a real feeling, right? And you can get a haircut, take a run, take a run during lunch or eat a healthy lunch or stop smoking or stop doing drinking monster energy drinks, whatever the, the thing is, you will get made fun of. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But you got to do it anyways, <laughs> if you yeah, want to change. Yeah. I mean, it's one step can, can be the change of the rest of your life. Mm. Like it's, it's absolutely true. It's just, you can't, you won't understand until you try it. Mm-hmm. You just won't like getting the haircut just makes you feel better and makes you feel like instead of being that guy in the back who is all greasy and nasty. Now, if you walk in the office, a customer's going to be like, Oh, who's this guy? You know, not like, Oh, he needs to go back out in the back. Cause he looks like a bum. Like try to present yourself the way you want to be looked at, you mm-hmm. know? So, yeah. And it's, and it's, and it's different. It's different for everybody too. That's the thing. It could be a haircut for you or one, one little change and stuff. And you'll start to, you'll, you'll start to um, see yourself differently than you did before. And that's a huge first step. And you said like, you felt like you were the best body guy at the shops you worked at. I don't know how many, how many body shops there are in the country. Like, I don't know, like 20,000 or something like 10,000. There's an insane number, right? Thousands of them. There's a best body guy at every single one of those shops. So it's not weird that you think that you're in decent company with thousands and thousands of other technicians. Um, But it's good to be able to see yourself that and be realistic about it. Not like, not just egotistical about it, but it's a combination of the ego and the humility to know that probably the best body guy here, but then humility to say, but I still want to get better, better in other ways, you know, and that's the good combo to have. Um, that's fascinating. I did not know any about that, about you. I'm glad you shared that. Um, I'm going to feel, I'm going to, I'm going to think about that every time I get a haircut now, <laughs> I actually don't get a lot of haircuts because I always wear a hat. So I'm like, eh. but for you, I bet your, your haircuts are like consistent, right? That's like a trigger for you to like be your every best. Two weeks. Every, every two, two weeks, weeks that's- and I still wear a hat nine times out of ten. And I, I wear a cowboy hat in my videos. Now. I see that. Like, yes, it's even like you're covering your hair up. But when you leave that barbershop, man, you just feel like a new person. You feel like the person you created. Like mm-hmm. you're not just another ant. Alter like, ego. Yeah, I, I seriously like I have so many alter egos. Like, <laughs> but, that's awesome. Okay, so. One of the questions that I know a lot of body guys ask themselves, and we alluded to it a little bit earlier, is body guys making money. <laughs> like if you, especially if you're like a go getter and one of the you know couple of the best body guys in your shop, or one of the couple best in your town, or whatever, you're making good money, probably six figures, very likely more than that. Um, one of the questions is, can I replicate my money? And PDR, it like doesn't feel possible. You see the guy come do it at your shop and you're like, find out that he made 300 bucks one time in an hour. And you're like, oh damn. But you're like, oh, he had to drive and he's got this. Like that rolls around in, in, in the minds of anybody that's trying to leave. The guy that I know that I took on a ride along with me makes great money, like really good money painting. Um, and if he left to go do PDR, he wouldn't make that money the first month, six months, eight months, a year, whatever. I know you asked yourself that question. How did you overcome that? And when do you think you will replicate that income? So I'm going to go into this with three different answers. If I remember all three by the end of it, (laughs) but the first thing you do, 
as a body technician, you're currently and always buying tools. You're always on that snap-on truck. So even if you make a thousand bucks a week or 1500 bucks a week, whatever it is, a lot of that's going towards tools, whether you know it or not, you may only be paying 20 or $30 a week, but every week you go on there and spend another 400 bucks that just adds to your total, pay those tools off. And then you're ready for your next step. Wait, so, so do a lot of guys running like a, like a tab. Yes. I mean, I have, really? I have 30, $40,000 worth of snap on tools, but I paid them off. And that was my, I paid them off like four or five years before I even knew I was getting into PDR. So that was like, a first big money opener for me. Like you may be making 1500, but you're only bringing home eight because you're trying to pay these tools off, you know? So. Okay. So I did not know this. That's yeah. my, my negligence of body guys. I know snap on, I've bought, got a couple snap on things. I've been on the trucks, et cetera. I didn't know they just took tabs for you. Are they charging you interest on these tools or. Oh, so there's two different ways that you've got a truck account and then you can do like a snap on actual credit account. So back when I bought mine, uh, interest was 6.99. Now is 23 or 24.99 or something. Shut. Yes. You're, you're paying 50 bucks a week, but your interest every month is 50 bucks. So you're only paying 150, but you're paying 200. Like get that out of the way. Like 25% is like worse than most credit cards. Yeah. And I could be off on that number. It changes every couple of years. It's a big number though. It's It's a big number. So, you know, just because you're making a lot doesn't mean you're taking a lot. Like the number looks good on the paycheck. Like it looks awesome. But then you're going out to eat and you're blowing that money. You're going and drinking. You're blowing that money. You're buying all these monsters. You're buying these cigarettes. So it's stuck in the culture. Yeah. You're just back to the next week needing a paycheck. So what are you spending all this money on that you made anyway? Like just to get by the next week. So so ask yourself the question, like, how much are you actually making? Yes. How much do you like to survive? What do you really need? Can you take these things out of the equation? Like, so that's the first step. Like that's, get okay. your finances in order. Even mm-hmm. in the body shop, you're buying these tools. Get that in order. Don't just quit your job and have $40,000 worth of snap-on tools you got to pay off. Because then you're going to be stressed out every day and hacking dents up to get money. So the next thing is, if you take a little bit less money, say you make a hundred thousand dollars a year, but you know, you can survive on 60. You may have to adjust. You may have to eat at home instead of eating out at lunch or whatever it may be. You may be a happier person making less money. Ooh. I'm not saying forever, but I'm saying to get to where you want to be. Like if you make a hundred K and you can make 60 K, but be happier. Like it might be worth it. I took that into account. Like I knew my first year wasn't going to be a hundred K. I just knew it wouldn't. Cause I, I don't have, uh, I don't have clients. customer skills. Yet. Yeah. I mean, I just, so will that grow? Yes. And I think with skill money comes, mm-hmm. I think with passion money comes, if you chase the money, then you're never going to be happy regardless. It doesn't matter. I mean, if, okay, you can go make a hundred grand being a PDR tech, but are you going to be happy doing it? Like chase your passion and let the money follow and save that nest egg, like save up 50 K that way. When you quit your job, if you don't make a paycheck for four or six months, you're, you're learning, you're learning the skill, you're getting new customers, but you have that egg, that nest to just Mm. go forward and live and, and realize that like, there's more out there. 
too many people chase the money, which money is very important, but it will come in enough time. And if you work hard enough for it, and if you strive for it, but the passion has to be there. Do you remember your third thing still? No. Ah, damn. Okay. I'm going to talk. So the money thing, um, in order, this is my belief in order for us to make this dollar figure, we have to believe that we're capable of it first. So, um, I remember not too long ago, 10 years ago, maybe, um, I had this crazy goal. I wanted to make a hundred thousand dollars a year and in PDR. And I was like, I don't know if it's possible. I don't know if I'm capable of it, whatever. And so I'd put, maybe it was a little more than 10 years ago and I'd push and I'd push and I'd try to do it. And then I, when I got there to like a hundred thousand dollars a year, pushing fucking metal around. Right. It was like, eh, okay, cool. I did it, but I knew I could. Right. And then, so I'm like, what about 150? <laughs> what about two? What about 250? This is human nature. This is, this is the, the beauty and the downside of humans is that we have the capability to set goals and achieve them. That's how we progress as, as humans. And it is a downside too, because it can seem like you're never satisfied when your happiness hinges on making a certain amount of money. You will never be happy because it will never be enough money. That's the thing. So like, I want to make a hundred grand. You got to believe that you're capable. You do it. Then it's two, then it's two fifty, then it's three. If it's like, I'll be happy when I make this, you won't, you need the happiness part, the, the passion part, all that stuff is inside of you. It's outside of how much money you make. It's being comfortable with yourself. It's telling the truth. It's living up to your fullest potential. It's it's stop buying monster energy drinks when you know you're capable of doing that, even though it's easier to do that. It's run a half marathon, even though you've never run more than a mile in your life. That's the happiness. That's the passion and all that stuff. And when you do that, all of a sudden, like you just said, when you do that, all of a sudden making 200, 100K, 200K, 300K is possible. Like you're like, I know. I said, hey, I want to set this goal and achieve it. I did it. I want to run a half marathon and achieve it. And I did it. I want to quit my job and achieve it. And I did it. And now you're like, now you believe that, Hey, I want to make 200 K in my business. Now I know I can, because I keep promises to myself. That's the way I see it. Hopefully that helps somebody. Do you remember your third thing yet? Yeah. So what you said was pretty spot on, but it is human nature to where like, you're never happy that way. Like too much of the world is focused on money, which we have to be to survive, mm-hmm. but there's things that make us happier than the dollar. Like make your money to survive and make your money, but your money is only a tool to help you grow further. hundred percent. Like don't just be stuck on the dollar. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to make money at the end of the day. I mean, that's what we're, you know, doing in business. We wouldn't be working if it wasn't for money, mm-hmm. but that that's just a tool like well here I'll, I'll i'll correct that too and maybe i misspoke too nobody gives a shit about making money they care about what the money can get for them like no one cares about dollar bills or numbers in their bank account or anything like that as much as they care about what it can get for them whether it's saving two million dollars in your retirement account so you don't have to work or saving enough money to buy a lifted truck like that's what the money's for. And so, like you said, it is a tool. And so when you learn, when you learn to, to see money as a tool and learn that money can buy you things, including time, 
right? Because now I can hire somebody to do my lawn or to clean my house or to work for me or to do my bookkeeping or to do whatever. My money is a tool so that I can get more of my time back so that I can do the things that make me the happiest. Not the money, the things that make me happiest. My family, my friends, vacations, things like that. Um, but that's so true. When did you realize that? Did you read that in a book or did you just figure no, it out? I, mean, I didn't really. It took under- me a long time. <laughs> I didn't understand the value of money until I was about to quit my job because it's so easy to go blow that monthly or that weekly check or whatever it may be, because you know, it's guaranteed the following week. Um, when you start looking at it differently, yeah, it's like, you're, you're kind of right and wrong. Well, in my opinion, the That's way right. I look at it, yeah. um, you're not wrong, but just the way I look at it differently. Like I like to see money in my account because that means security. Yeah. That means if I don't get that job this week or if that job cancels, that was $1,300. Like, I'm not going to die. Like I don't have to go kill myself that I'm not going to make my mortgage. Like mm-hmm. it's just, it's, it becomes a tool. And when you realize that you might not have it coming in, you look at it differently. Yes. From my view. I agree. View. I totally so agree with that. Yeah. It's, it's now a tool for me. And of course my wife likes shopping. I give her a couple hundred bucks every so often, go buy a pair of jeans, go buy some shoes, whatever. But I'm trying to train her a little bit too. Like, you know, let's take these couple years that are going to be tough in the beginning. So later on we can build something that we don't have to worry, you know, like let's get that money in the bank to where we have it as a security. And then, you know, if we get $5,000 come in this week, you know, Hey, go do this, go do that, go do that. But we still have it back there just in case. Yes, sir. I like it. Pay off the snap on truck. figure out how much money you actually need to live on what's number three yeah just uh realizing the value of it it's it's not it's not just the dollar it's it's uh it's what it can bring you you know it's uh it's more than just a number it's uh it's security so yeah it's a tool it's a tool that's the biggest thing it's not just money you're gonna blow it you're gonna just use it carelessly if you use it differently, you'll, you'll understand what it's about. Yeah. That was, that's fantastic. I feel like I came into the podcast hoping that we can give a good example of what the transition from, from the body shop into PDR looks like. And I think that's the summary of it. I think a lot of guys that are in that spot now of trying to take that jump or considering taking the jump or considering learning all have these same thoughts, questions, fears, everything. So anything else that you would say for someone in that position, um, trying someone in the position you were in that is trying to be in the position that you're in now, (laughs) anything else you'd want to say to them? Don't let your age hold you back. You know, you look at so many people and wonder how did they become that? How did they get there? It's because they didn't care what other people thought. Like, for so long, I thought, well, because I'm a baby face, because I'm young, people don't think I know anything, which might be true. But if you portray yourself as someone who knows something and you feel confident about it, you can be 20 years old and know what you're doing. Like you, like you, you learned when you were what, 14, yeah. 15 years old. Yeah, so I was like 18 years old working on hundred thousand dollar cars. Yeah. I'm a baby face too. For sure. Yes. Yeah, so like, 
that held me back for so long. I did not understand until I was 30 years old. So for people who are 25 and have been doing this since they were in high school, like if you feel confident and you can do this, don't let anything hold you back. Like, obviously you have to be ready, but don't let the number of age, like don't, don't let other people. Five too. Yeah. I mean, it's never too early. It's never too late. Mm -hmm. Don't let other people's opinions decide what you're able to do. Don't let, if you've got a, a QC guy at your body shop, it's like, Oh, you suck. You ain't worth a damn at PDR, but you can fix these dents with mud. But if you look at this dent and you say, that's fixed, what are you trying to pick? Like this one little flicker in the orange pill or whatever, like ask someone else's opinion. This guy wants you to stay. You're making him money. Like just don't let people's bad talk or your thoughts in your head hold you back because you're worth more than what you think you are. And you'll figure that out as time grows. I have, and I'm sure I have a lot more to learn. We all continue to, that's the thing. It's, it's never ending. Let's just keep going forward. That's what life's about. Just keep learning, keep growing. Yeah. Great advice, man. That's, that's fantastic. Um, How I end every podcast um, just because this is a fun question for me and I think about it a lot and I like, getting other people's opinions on it. What do you think the future of, well, I'll ask it a little bit different for you. The future of PDR and body shop combined, or will they combine or will they be separate or will PDR be bigger someday? Or will body shops end up getting into PDR and crushing PDR companies? What do you think about the future of this whole pushing metal around industry? Even even with all these electric and smart cars and, and carbon fiber, you know, we've got cars that are starting to drive themselves. You know, there's still going to be door dings. There's still going to be people hitting animals in the road. There's still going to be deer hitting vehicles. I think that PDR is here to stay. Maybe not forever, but hopefully for my lifetime. You know, when and if I have kids, I don't know if it'll be around then. But for now, I don't think I have anything to worry about. Um, the body shop merge in all honesty, body shops are greedy. Um, they want more money and they have more money to advertise and to tell people about, and they've been around a lot longer. So, um, maybe not specifically PDR over the whole nation will be known, but if you promote your company, your PDR company in the right way, your community will know. So, that's all we're really concerned about my community. That's all I, I mean, I don't care. I mean, I do, but the people in your area, I'm not targeting. So if I let people in Conway, Little Rock, Mayflower, Arkansas know that I'm here, then I've created a job. I've created people coming into me, you know, so promote yourself and promote yourself. Right. And you shouldn't have an issue in my opinion. And that's awesome everybody's got a different view on it, but that's where I'm at with it. So, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I'd agree with that for sure. Um, all right, man, that's the show. That was phenomenal. I'm thanks for coming on. I appreciate your perspective. Um, I'm glad we got to do this because it's fun for me to get you get to know you a lot better and your perspective on, on just growing and, and always moving forward as in, in life and in business. Um, anything else you want to say about, I don't know if you have, you're making some fun videos. You want to talk about those or YouTube page or anything you want to say before we wrap up? 
man, I'm just trying to get a following. Like, I want my goal is to have a large customer base and be able to provide great service for my community. But at the same time, I want to be looked at as a heavy hitter or a good technician in the PDR world. I want people to know that if they hear my name, they know I'm not hacking stuff up because it makes me feel good when I know I can do something well. And when others can maybe not necessarily learn off of me, but get inspiration, you know, I throw out these funky videos because people realize that, Hey, I'm not just another dent guy. I'm not just a gypsy or some dude in the backwoods fixing your dent. Like get to know me. Like I fix your dents, but I can also be a cool, you know, we're fun. This is, you know, I don't know. It's, they are fun videos. They're fun videos. They're, they're, they're memorable, which is great. I'm trying to just have my community figure me out, you know? Mm -hmm. So I've got competition and, and there's, I got to figure out a way to, you know, be unique, get more work. Yeah. What's your, what's your, uh, YouTube channel? Uh, so it's encore paintless dent repair, uh, everything. So we've got Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, you know, it's slow growing TikTok, but I just want to get out there and have fun with it, man. If, if anything, I'm watching the videos and learning, Oh, what should I do on my next video? Or mm-hmm. man, that repair, I could have done this a little bit different because I recorded it and see like, I could have saved five minutes if I didn't put that there. And I started here. So <laughs> even learning from your own mistakes is great in these videos. No so. doubt. Well, thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it. Uh, go give Corey a follow. Um, especially on the YouTube Instagram stuff. Cause he's got some, he's got some good uh, fun videos to watch for sure. Thanks for coming on, buddy. All right, buddy. Thanks. Later. Thank you for listening to another episode of the PDR Coach Podcast. If you got any value from this podcast and want to do something for me, then the best way to do that is to subscribe to the podcast and give me a rating and review. If you want to know more about me, then you can find me on Instagram by searching for the PDR Coach or find me on my website at coachcoreyk.com, C-O-R-Y-K.com. Thank you for listening and I'll be back next week.